the Lord laid it on my heart that I, I want to give you this challenge on prayer. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5, and while you're turning that, I, this, this is my fear. This is why I say this. When I was, when I was a kid, um, I, I used to want to have big muscles. Now, God later granted me that wish. Uh, that's why I have to wear these baggy clothes up here so that uh, you don't see my physique. But I, and I remember my mom saying, well, if you want to have big muscles like that, then you, you've got to eat your vegetables. How many of you were told that as a child? Raise your hand. If you want big muscles, if you want to run fast or whatever it is, you've got to eat your vegetables. Well, there was a cartoon that we used to watch, and I know the teens are going to be like, dude, what? Who's that? The guy's name was Popeye, okay? Now, I know it's SpongeBob now, but back in the good old days, it was Popeye, okay? And just so you know, just to set the record, I know I'm getting old and all, but uh, Popeye was still old when I was a teen, okay? Just, just so everybody knows that. Uh, but uh, they used to have the spinach that they would do, and on the spinach cans, they would put Popeye. And my mom was, like, working that. I mean, she'd be like, well, this is the very stuff that Popeye eats. In the, and she, you know, and I'm ready to down the stuff from the can or whatever it is. But I'm, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't know. But I remember eating the spinach and, like, getting up and going to the bathroom mirror and doing this to see if you could tell the difference. And to be honest, I, I, I eventually stopped doing that last summer. But I used to do that all the time. And, and I'm looking for those immediate results. Or we'd get up and we'd eat the spinach and then we'd race each other down the hallway to see if we're faster. And then eventually I caught on. It doesn't work like that. But here's the thing. A lot of times we treat our prayer life like that. Because we hear so much... God can do anything, and God answers prayers. And have you prayed about a brother? You know, all the cliche things that we throw out at each other all the time. And so what do we do? We go down the altar, we pray, and we turn around, and we're expecting $10,000 to be in our mailbox. Or we're expecting, you know, just whatever, this big grand miracle. And, and all of a sudden, when we don't see that happening the way we think, it's like, that, that, you know, we stop eating the vegetables. We go back to our sour cream and chai baked potato with bacon piled on top. Because we lose faith in it. I'm going to be honest with us as a church. I believe in a big way we've lost faith in prayer. If you believed that with God he could do anything and that God answers prayers. I do believe that we'd be a lot more fervent in our prayers. I believe we'd be taking God things. I believe that we'd be at the altars. I believe, man, if we preach a message on hell, I'd be broken enough to be like, honey, I want to pray for our lost love. But then all of a sudden, we don't bring it before God. And it's, it's not that we'd be the first ones to say, just when somebody's going through a hard time, brother, have you prayed about it? Yeah, I prayed. You know, you know we're the first ones that throw that out there. But do we mean it? It's almost just become something we say. It's, it's just Christian lingo. And I just, in this passage right here, I, 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 I want to read this to you, and I want to break this down, but I, I, I want you to understand that God does answer prayer, but he doesn't answer it on your terms. And he doesn't answer in your ways. Because if we were to pull back the curtain and understand everything, there's some things you're going to find out that you're asking for that is not good for you. And some things that you're asking for that God doesn't give you because he's got something better for you. There's a lot of things that go on, but the thing is, it's not just a matter of fervently asking God, but it's, a, it's passionately believing God. 
believing that he knows best, believing that he's got our best for us. And I'm going to ask you guys a question right now. Does anyone here tonight have a need in your life? Raise your hand if you have a need in your life. Okay, you put your hands on. Now let me say this. I am not talking golf clubs. I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, vacation and all those things. And I, I'm not saying, man, I need a new this or need that. I'm not saying that. But I'm, I'm, saying, I'm talking genuine needs in your life. People that say, I, I, I need God to help me because I'm so buried in debt I can't see. I, I've, got, I've got a son or a daughter or a relative or whatever that I cannot get through to. I need God to help me with this. Or I, I saw some statistics this past week. Somebody posted whatever about cancer and things. Blew me away. These things, these needs, these legitimate needs are all around us. And I thought, why do so many people, Christians, feel defeated? And I'm not saying that we don't see the instant results and we're trusting, but I'm talking about some Christians, they don't pray because they just absolutely feel defeated. I heard one of the preachers at Teen Rev, and I can't remember the quote. Maybe one of these other guys will remember the quote. He said something about, he said, what you pray for today will determine where you are tomorrow. Do you remember that? It was on Friday morning. And he said, have you ever thought, I mean, if, if literally our prayers was laying down the groundwork of where we're going, where are you headed depending on where, what, what God has put and what you're clinging and crying out to God to do? Saying, Lord, 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 save my kids and Lord, help me to be a witness and Lord, bless my church and all this. What are you laying out before you pleading before God? I, I want to read this. It's God telling us in James chapter 5, starting in verse 14. And I'll be short. I, I don't want to take away our communion service at all. He asked the question, is any sick among you? That's why I asked that a, min- a minute ago. Does anybody have needs? Is there any? Just laying it out there. Is there any sick in your church? Is there anybody going through a hard time? I promise you, I don't care what church, what church you go into in this world. You ask that question, hands are going to go up all over the place. Then he says this, let him call for the elders of the church. You get your prayer people together. Not that the elders were anything better, but the elders were people that he said, I know these are people that, that you could call on that know how to pray. I know these are people that are living right. Those people that have dedicated themselves to the Lord's work. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now just so that you understand that the oil is not, and a lot of people put a, a lot of stake in the wrong things, okay, the only healing power that we have comes from God, okay? That's where our healing power comes from. When you see these people come in and they go up and they wave their arms and the people fall over and all this other stuff, that dude just needs a tic-tac. That's what that's all about, okay? There, there's no healing power in his bad breath, his arm waving, his big demonstration. I don't care how many organs you play in the background. It's only God that has the power to heal. The anointing. Something even goes back to the Old Testament. It's, it's a dedication or setting aside that person of asking the Holy Spirit. It's an outward symbol. And God has certain things. This is one of them that we're about to do right now. It's, it's an outward symbol that we can do to demonstrate what we believe. We believe in the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. But we do these outward things. Now notice verse 15. If you believe the Bible, listen to this. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Now, just so you understand, it's not always the healing that we're looking for. 
A lot, a lot of people are, I'm mad at God. I prayed for two years that he would heal my mom or my dad, and God did it. And God, you know, have you ever thought that maybe God did heal them? And that's the thing. We are so worldly-minded, and God gets to the point of saying, that, that woman had cancer. I took her home. She's walking and dancing on streets of gold right now. There's no cancer. You prayed to take away the cancer. There's no cancer in her body. Neither will there ever be ever again. God has a way. But let me just say, this is the power of God. If you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your fault one to another. You know what this is talking about? It's talking about, you talk about the power of prayer. God was laying it out saying, you make things right because you hinder the pouring out, the working of the Holy Spirit of God. Res- resolve the conflict and pray for one another. That's biblical fellowship. That, that is absolutely where it comes down to. And, and, and I, at Teen Rev, we had a number of times that we, we got together and we just prayed over one another. We, we sought God together. And I, I got to go down to the altar and just teenagers, hundreds of teenagers kneeling down at one. And, and for the leadership, we just went from teen to teen. And I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm talking about there was puddle of tears that this one teenage boy, like junior high boy, pleading for God to work in his life. And then I read this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let let me just tell you the average prayer of a Christian today. It's somewhere between sipping our coffee and walking in or getting in our car or turning down the radio for... I'm saying it's, dear God, help me today. I'm about to, you know, whatever... I, I, I'm thinking there's not so much the effectual, fervent, passionate, cry out to God prayer. And I think God looks at it like we do a lot of our kids when they're, they're walking through Walmart or Target or whatever. And they're in the car and they go, Daddy, I want that. Daddy, I want that. Daddy, I want that. You know what I'm saying? You don't even, you don't even tune in. When you're just thinking, no, no, no. You, you don't even know what they're looking at could be a school book you know it could be some sort of learning material no you don't need that you know just we don't know but the thing is they just get in that zone of asking for everything and I think with us and God we do that it's just this flippant throw it out and ask God but but there's something different when when your kids come before you and say dad I am telling you I would love to have this what do I have to do and Jordan had this thing that he wanted really bad and And he said, Dad, I will work at our new house. I will work at the church. You can clock my hours. I did, buddy. I clocked his hours. I'd walk in there and he's sitting down and he goes, I just took off 15 minutes for you sitting there. You know, I'm hardcore about this. But I I just, when they want it, I'm telling you, when you want it, you see the heart. As a dad, I, I am compassionate towards that. Man, man, I'm moved with that. God said, man, when when will the church get effectually, fervently praying for God to work and do something. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I am extremely bothered when we can talk. And it's not, it's not my messages. Don't ever get the idea that, oh, he thinks he's all puffed up and all that. No, I'm not saying that. When we can blow the dust off our altars, there's something wrong with the church. When there's a lack of tears... I don't want to get so busy doing church, going through. I've got our schedule, Brother Greg, and 
Pastor Tyler and all these, we've got these schedules we do. I have to tell you, throw out the schedule. Burn it. Maybe we need to just get God's people together and just say, let's kneel and pray. I have too much at stake. I have, I have too many needs that I can look around this room and I'm thinking, well, God's not doing anything. I, I want to see God work. I see the attack on these teens and I saw what God did this week and, I'm, and I praise God that they made decisions. But you know what it's going to take? The, the powerful force of a praising and praying church to get behind them to keep them going. We live in a world that the devil is seeking whom he may devour and he's ripping them apart like a lion getting a hold of some sort of wild animal and it breaks my heart. I want to show you the example that he gave of this. Verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He threw him right on our level. Oh my goodness. He said, he said I'll, I'll tell you about a guy that really wanted to see God work. Has any prayed earnestly? If you got a pen and you're, and you're reading through your Bible, you need to circle that, okay? He prayed earnestly. It, it wasn't this flippant, now I lay me down to sleep type prayers that we're so used to doing. He was crying out to God for God to work through this nation that it might not rain. Not that it might rain. He was trying to get a hold of a wicked nation and it rained not on the earth for this space of three years and six months. The Bible says, verse 18, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and brought forth her fruits. This is an example of the power of prayer. You, you, you look at God's deep illustration here and what is going on here. And I'm telling you, we as a church, as a nation, as a city, are going through a spiritual drought in a terrible way. And I'm not saying that God's not doing anything. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I, I am fully convinced that everything that God has said that he wants and has for the church of revival and outpouring of the Spirit of God, I'm, I'm not saying that in a weird way. I'm saying when the Spirit of God works and, and, and convicts and changes I'm saying in, in such a way that you know that you feel like, man, if I could get my lost loved ones to that place, not that there's something special, but where the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, I am in the midst. That is talking about the spiritual unity of God's people, the, the coming together, the unity of people in the spirit of prayer and seeking the face of God. And God said, I'm smack in the middle of that. I want people to feel like they're smack in the middle of God's presence. Not just God's people, but God's presence. Spiritual drought. You know what a spiritual drought is changed by an outpouring of rain. You, you think about it. He said that, and then I prayed for rain and God gave it. You know what rain does? Rain and outpouring in the spirit of God makes things grow. You ever thought about that? making your marriage grow or our merge group grow or your teens grow or whatever. I mean, seeing them, but I think we've almost stopped asking for it. We just think, well, that's the way teens are and that's the way they're going. You know, you know what my prayer is over our teens, and I hope it's your prayer, that God brings a revival through teenagers. That generation that a lot of people has wrote off is all they care about is finding marijuana and hooking up and doing this and video games and Xbox 360 and all those other things and say. No, what could God do to shake our nation starting in our school system? So that's not possible. Well, that's why we have not, because we ask not. 
saying in our church to see generation that has looked back and said, oh, man, I've seen God do it before and I believe that God could do it. And maybe if we don't see our teens move and go to the altar, maybe the older crowd in the church goes down the altar and you say, well, I have bad knees or bad knees. Just stand here and just cry out to God. And I'm not even preaching. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to preach this spot. It's not, this isn't a magical spot. But it's the act of stepping out and just saying, you know what, I want to see God do that. Let me say, when it comes to praying, let him call for the elders of the church or the people of the church or the spiritual people of the church. Let me say, you will not offend me for you to go out of your way to pray with people in this church. I know we do it in connecting points. And this is like the end zone, I think, when it comes to the church that we think, well, this is where we, you know, have that time or whatever. But that's not true. You see somebody going through a hard time in that back hallway, you should go up to them and say, do you care if we pray right now? Well, that's just weird. It shouldn't be weird in church. If praying with people is weird in church, then, then we've got something wrong with our church. Spiritual things grow. Rain refreshes and it cleanses. We, we had our church carnival. You know what I prayed for? I prayed for rain. Because <laughs> I didn't want to clean the parking lot. <laughs> Wash it away. All, all the grease and the oil and the funnel cakes. You know, just Lord, wash it away. I, I believe that that's what God does. And, and, and how many people, when they, when they just cry out to God and God pours through the spirit of God and the working of God and he pours that on us and we get convicted and we change our hearts and our minds. An unusual outpouring of God. When it rains, it moistens the hard ground. That water begins to soak, and I don't care how hard that soil is, something about the Spirit of God coming down from heaven when he prayed and he did that. And I said, well, you're drawing parallels. I, I am. But let me tell you, the Bible made that same parallel about sowing the seed, and the seed didn't take because this, the ground was hard. And I think when it comes to us, we, we just take that soil and we cry out to God for, for it to rain, for the Spirit of God to come down on the effectual fervent prayer. Don't, don't forget the first verses. It's not, Lord, we're about to start the service, and we want to see you do something great today. And, Lord, thank you for, I'm, oh, God's like, oh, okay, <laughs> great, that was awesome. Thank you for those 35 seconds. Gabriel, did you hear that? 35 seconds. I don't think that's the effectual fervent prayer. I am not saying that we have to time it and, and have 12-minute prayer services, but I do believe it needs to come from our hearts. I do believe that we need to seek and ask for it. And I do believe we need to start right now.